There's playoff implications at stake as the Seahawks head back home to face the red-hot 6-1 New York Giants. Which matchup should fans be watching at the game at Lumen Field on Sunday? We're going to be breaking them all down on Matchup Wednesday on Locked On Seahawks. You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings 12, this is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks, joining me for Matchup Wednesday, my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. To all the 12s out there, whether you're in the U.S., Germany, Britain, Japan, Antarctica, wherever you are, we greatly appreciate you making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. If you're listening on YouTube, make sure to hit the like button as well. We greatly appreciate it. As we always do each and every Wednesday, we've got a bevy of matchups to break down heading into Sunday's much-anticipated game between the Seahawks and the Giants. The Giants being 6-1, and one, the Seahawks 4-3. and three. Who would have thought we would have playoff implications at stake in Week 8 when these teams get together? Let's get to it without further ado. Now for your lead story here on our Matchup Wednesday edition of Locked on Seahawks. The Seahawks have a number of players that could potentially be back in uniform as early as this weekend against the New York Giants. I don't know necessarily this player is going to be one of them, but Trey Brown finally returning to the practice field on Wednesday. And Rob, this is a huge deal because we're talking about a player, you know, Tariq Woolen, Kobe Bryant, they've been stars as rookies, but Trey Brown had a similar impression last year in the five games that he played in before suffering a patellar tendon injury that required surgery. He's been out since last November. The secondary has already been a strong point. Even the defense was struggling early in the season. They've got a lot to like in this secondary, a lot of young talent, and maybe, just maybe, they'll be even better with the return of Trey Brown. Yeah, it's a possibility that Trey Brown could get himself onto the field even as early as this week against the New York Giants. Uh, you know, we talked, you just mentioned it, Corbin. I mean, the, the secondary has been a strength for this team. Um, but at the same time, when Trey Brown went down with that injury, um, it was after five very impressive games as a rookie. I mean, th- there were some spectacular moments, not necessarily the moments that we've seen from Tariq Woolen, not punching the ball out the, the way that we have seen Kobe Bryant do. But at the same time, in, in terms of just pure coverage ability, just the the, the straight line speed, the, the change of direction, he looked like a lockdown corner. I would argue that. Uh, Trey Brown was Seattle's most uh, you know, impressive cover corner a year ago, uh, albeit in a very limited skill set. So for Seattle to perhaps get him back as early as now, and, and certainly in the next couple of weeks, they're going to get Trey Brown back. This is basically the equivalent of making a big-time trade at this point in the season. So, yes, this is very exciting news with Trey Brown. Um, it's also some exciting news with some of the other players that Seattle might get might be able to get back. LJ Collier not being the, the least significant of that bunch. Yeah, we'll get to Collier here in a second because, as you mentioned, Trey Brown did not have maybe the big plays like interceptions and forced fumbles that we've seen Tariq Woolen and Kobe Bryant produce in bunches early on in their rookie season. But what Brown did 
he came into the starting lineup last year. This defense was struggling early in the year in large part because of its secondary. They could not slow down opposing passing games and they needed a spark in that secondary. And all Brown did five games, three starts, gave up eight completions on 17 targets, left less than 50%, no touchdowns allowed, had that huge fourth down stop in the overtime game against the Steelers that gave the football back to Geno Smith and company. They unfortunately could not go down and score any points, but went up and blew up Ray Ray McLeod. He had a fourth down stop in the Packers game that held it to three, nothing green. Bam and the defense was dominant in that game. The offense just couldn't give them any support in Russell Wilson's first game back from a finger injury. This kid was coming up with impact plays that just weren't interceptions and forced fumbles and was just really impressive. Played some on both sides of the field too. So he's not one of those guys that has to play on one side or the other. And that's a good thing because right now he's going to have to be able to play the left corner position after playing a lot of right cornerback in his limited time last year. That's going to be his shot to get on the field because he's certainly not going to be taking over for Tariq Wollin. And I guess I would say that's the one caveat here for him as well as he played last year, even if he comes back fully healthy. I mean, Mike Jackson, other than the dropped interceptions on Sunday, I think that was his most complete game that he has played as a starter for the Seahawks. You still got Sidney Jones. Artie Burns is back at practice today. They've got a ton of depth. This is not the same cornerback group that it was when Trey Brown got hurt. So while I think he can absolutely help this secondary and could be your starter at left corner, it's not a slam dunk that that's going to happen. Now, going to the defensive line, you mentioned LJ Collier, and this really was a pressing issue going into this week because he was at the tail end of his 21-day window after returning to practice. If they would not have activated him to the fifth three-man roster tomorrow – he would have reverted back to injured reserve and he would have been lost for the season. His Seahawks career likely over with him being a free agent after this year. Now he gets to be on a 53-man roster. Really the big question is, what is he going to be able to provide this football team? And are there any snaps there for him with how well Miles Adams has played the last couple of games? Well, it's a good question because, as you said, Miles Adams has played really good football. Um, but at the same time, I think this is the perfect matchup to get LJ Collier back onto the field because that, that's always been his game is being able to hold up at the point of attack, be able to set the edge. He is not a dynamic pass rusher, but he is long. He is strong. He is tough. And considering the fact that this is the most dynamic rushing attack in all of the NFL, not just my opinion, Pete Carroll said it today, that I, I think that LJ Collier really makes an awful lot of sense to come back and be able to have some meaningful snaps against the New York Giants. So I think that that is a big thing there. And then as you said with, with Trey Brown previously, you know, uh, you know, when you kind of mentioned that what could Brown do, I mean, he could deliver. I mean, that, that's that's what Browns do, you know. And so I, I think that that's kind of a, you know, a, a fun little uh, you know, segue kind of here because the I think the Seahawks have a, a great deal of talent on, in the secondary. And when you consider the fact that the Giants are more of a running team, then that not, may not feel like that is something that's critically important to this game, but it's critically important to play in, in an NFL season. Let's be real. So whether it be Trey Brown coming back, whether it be uh, Travis Homer being designated to return, that that's big news as well, considering the fact, of course, that Seahawks lost Rashad Penny earlier in the season. Um, whether it be Gabe Jackson uh, returning back, 
back to the practice field. There is some really encouraging injury news, uh, roster news for the Seahawks at, at this point in the season. Here we are halfway through, and as you mentioned just in the opening, Corbin, I mean, the, you know, the, the Seahawks and the Giants are are playing for playoff, you know, positioning at this point. Who would have thought? And so that to me is one of the most exciting things is even with DK Metcalf nursing injury, and maybe he is even going to be able to play in this game. Although he did not have a full practice today, he was walking around without a boot. Those are all encouraging things for the Seahawks at the halfway point. It feels like while you see some teams are kind of starting to struggle a little bit with injuries, the Seahawks appear to be getting stronger. Yeah, we'll see what happens with Metcalf. Did not participate in practice. He was out there, according to Carol, watching the walkthrough. They are going to be very light with him the next couple of days if he does anything at all. It sounds to me like they're going to be forcing him to rest the next couple of days and then see where he's at on Friday. So we have no idea whether or not he's going to be able to play in this game. But we do know that LJ Collier is going to be eligible to participate. He's now on the 53-man roster. They still have one opening on their roster if they want to activate Homer, if they want to activate Brown. Both those players right now can practice, but they have not been moved to the 53-man roster yet, and they started their 21-day windows today. So three weeks for the Seahawks to get them back in game shape, get them ready to go to play and put them on the 50-man roster. Maybe one of them will end up on that roster this weekend. They could always promote a player as well. Maybe Bruce Irvin gets elevated full-time to the regular roster. But whatever the case may be, they have one opening left, and they got a few weeks here to make some decisions with a few guys, just as they just did with LJ Collier, choosing to put him on a 50-man roster today. Up next, it's Matchup Wednesday. We're going to look at the Seahawks on offense, and we always do each and every week. we got to start with the – fifth-ranked scoring offense in the NFL going up against the sixth-ranked scoring defense in the NFL. Got a battle of Goliaths here, Seahawks and Giants. We're going to look at the Seahawks on offense, three key matchups against the Giants' defense when we return. As you gear up for the fall, you need the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders, and LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. As a former site manager and current podcast host, I've made plenty of hires over the years, and LinkedIn has always been a go-to for me to find top candidates in sports media. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Just add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile and you can spread the word you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. They've got simple tools like screening questions that make it easy to focus on candidates with the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on nfl that's linkedin.com slash locked on nfl to post your job for free terms and conditions apply this matchup wednesday episode of locked on seahawks is brought to you by bird dogs bird dogs are the most comfortable clothing on the market bar none i wear one of my sweatpants joggers or khakis nearly every day because they're like walking on a fluffy cloud you can wear them to work out. You can wear them to work meetings. You can wear them rain or shine. It doesn't matter because they always feel great. Bird dog pants are the perfect gift for the fall, especially those of you that are golfers. You might not play like Tiger on a bender, but you'll feel just as good. Bird dog joggers are higher quality than many other on the market and $20 less 
What are we talking about here? Go buy some bird dogs. Still wear shorts in the winter. It doesn't matter if it's Florida or 10 degrees in New England or Chicago. They have their signature shorts with built-in liners. It is the most comfortable shorts out there in existence. Go to birddogs.com, enter the promo code Locked On, and they'll throw in a free bird dogs rope hat. That's birddogs.com, promo code Locked On, and boom, a free bird dogs rope hat with your pair of bird dogs. The most comfortable shorts, pants, and sweatpants with built-in liners. You will not take these things off. I can assure you of that. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, Matchup Wednesday edition. I'm your host, Corbett Smith. Joining me as always, my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. We greatly appreciate all the 12s out there that make Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. And make sure for your second listen to check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, Go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights. Only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today, it's available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. All right, Rob, let's get to the spicy matchups. As I just mentioned a few minutes ago, we got the number five scoring offense in the NFL. These Seattle Seahawks, that's a weird statement still coming out of my mouth with what expectations were this season going in. New York Giants is very similar They have the number six scoring defense in the entire NFL. So this is kind of one of those something's got to give type matchups. And there's certainly some spicy individual positional matchups to break down heading into this game. Where shall we start, good sir? Well, I think you got to start at the line of scrimmage. Um, you know, and I know there's going to be lots of people who are going to focus in on Kayvon Thibodeau. I, I get that. I mean, what a star that he was at Oregon. Um, you know, he was a former Morris Trophy Award winner. But at the same time, I think that you have to focus in on Leonard Williams. I think you have to focus in on Dexter Lawrence, who, oh, by the way, Dexter Lawrence is the guy who actually leads the Giants in sacks. You know, there's not many 340 pounders who have four sacks to lead their team, but it's Leonard Williams, another former Morris Trophy Award winner, oh, by the way, all those years ago back at USC, who is absolutely game wrecker uh, for the New York Giants. I mean, to me, that is really where this game lies for the Seahawks is can they slow down the New York Giants defensive line? I mean, I I see a bunch of linebackers who are good players, some secondary players, good players. I see guys along the defensive line who are great players. And I love the fact that this game is going to be played at Lumen Field, so you're not likely to have the crowd noise supporting the New York Giants and their pass rush. But Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence, and Kayvon Thibodeau, can you slow them down? So just kind of pick your poison here. I mean, pick the matchup that you want to talk about. Austin Blythe, to me, I, I love the initial quickness. I love the instincts. I love the way that he calls a game at the center position. He's pointing out who the blitzers are. Can he physically hold up against Dexter Lawrence? That's a real concern. Seattle has had some issues at the guard positions. Are they going to be able to hold up against Leonard Williams? Can the rookie tackles face another rookie here in Kayvon Thibodeau? But you know me, Corbin. I mean, I love the rookie matchups here. Hell, I'm wearing a Washington State, you know, shirt right now. So Abe Lucas, get on up. You know, you know Kayvon Thibodeau as well as anybody does. Abe Lucas shut down Kayvon Thibodeau in a matchup between Washington State and Oregon basically almost exactly a year ago today. So to me, there are so many matchups here. I think we could make an argument that all three of our matchups for the Seahawks offense versus the Giants defense could be along the line of scrimmage. So I certainly think this is the one we got to start off with. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Thibodeau, but to me, this game boils down to the interior of the trenches 
Seahawks interior line, Blythe, whoever the guards are. Phil Haynes is still out today with a concussion. They're hoping that he's going to be cleared. They're going to get Gabe Jackson back. He was a limited participant. So who's going to end up being the starter there? You're going to have Damian Lewis the other spot. But Leonard Williams, a couple years ago, when the Giants came into town, we're talking 2020 when the Seahawks went 12-4 and and won the NFC West. One of their four losses came at Lumen Field to the Colt McCoy-led Giants. And it was not because Colt McCoy led it up that day. He saved that for his Cardinals start last year. But they could not stop Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence. Those two were wrecking balls, absolutely obliterated Seattle's offensive line. Russell Wilson was under duress the entire game, and the Seahawks failed to score 15 points in that contest. So this is certainly an area of concern for the Seahawks. Now, they are coming off a game where the line played really well across the board. This O-line overall has been pretty consistent, especially in pass protection. But this is going to be one of the tougher matchups they have in terms of trying to deal with interior pass rushers that have size, tenacity, athleticism, pass rushing ability, stout at the point of attack. These guys are complete package defensive linemen in Williams and Lawrence. And so that is going to be a matchup that the Seahawks – have to be able to at least hold to a stalemate. You can't let those two take over the game because if that happens, you could be in for a very long afternoon against a very good 6-1 and one Giants team. And up next, shifting gears here, because like you said, we could talk offensive, defensive line the entire time, but we got to get some skill players in here. Why don't we? And I think this is where the Seahawks could have the advantage. Now, if you're not blocking the interior defensive line, it's not going to matter, but this is a Giants defense that's had a lot of problems stopping the run this year. I think Ken Walker III, who got FedEx Ground Player of the Week honors today, second time was a charm after just missing out last week as a nominee. He's been one of the most explosive runners in the entire NFL. Going up against a linebacking core, Jalen Smith and Tay Crowder in the middle. At one point, Jalen Smith was one of the better linebackers that I have evaluated coming out of Notre Dame, had that awful knee injury, some decent seasons in Dallas, but Rob, he just, he can't move anymore. And that's a major issue when you are playing against a team with a dynamite running back like Ken Walker III. If he gets lined up with him at the second level, it's going to be very difficult for Smith to get him down. Still a very good tackler, but just getting to him, not very mobile. The other linebacker, Tay Crowder, is the exact opposite style player. He's very similar to Drew Tranquil, who the Seahawks faced on Sunday, a very athletic, agile linebacker that can dart through gaps, can fly sideline to sideline, but he is not a physical presence. And he is a linebacker that can be beaten up in a physical run game. So I think that this is a matchup that the Seahawks can absolutely exploit. As long as the offensive line gives Ken Walker the third some holes to work with, this has not been a good run defense, surprisingly, with the players they have up front. They have struggled this year, and I think a lot of that boils down to, quite frankly, their linebackers are bottom third of the league caliber. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. I think that, that Jalen Smith is a good player. He was just expected to be a great player. Maybe he was a great player, uh, you know, early on. Um, certainly at, at Notre Dame, he was that Dallas Cowboys. He was, you know, he showed flashes of that, but he has never become that player. Tay Crowder, as you mentioned, is the more athletic of the bunch. This is the former running back at Georgia who late in his career 
made that switch to the linebacker position and was selected, I think, in the seventh round, um, but yet has emerged as a starter for the Giants. And he does have that straight line speed. So if the Giants are able to hold up Seattle's offensive line at the point of attack and allow him to run, you know, nobody, no, there's not a linebacker in the NFL corporate who can get to the sideline as quick as, uh, you know, Ken, Kenneth Walker can. I mean, that, that's that four, three speed just kind of proving itself. But at the same time, I, I do think that this linebacker core is good enough to slow down Seattle's running attack. So that's one of the reasons why I think that this is a fascinating matchup really for us to focus in on. You know, to me, I think that we we also have to switch outside to the, the wide receiver position uh, for Seattle. We, we don't know if DK Metcalf is going to be able to play in this game. We saw what Marquise Goodwin did uh, with, with his breakout performance a week ago. We talked about what D. Eskridge could do. I'm really intrigued to see if Derek Young is going to be able to, to kind of build upon, you know, what I thought were some pretty impressive snaps from him. He didn't get a catch, but I think that there's a possibility that he does in this week's game should, again, DK Metcalf not be out there. And just like we talked about the linebacker position, I see some cornerbacks for the New York Giants and Dory Jackson, a dynamic athlete, but not necessarily the most stout of run defenders. Fabian Moreau, a great athlete, but at the same time, a guy who's been up and down throughout his NFL and college careers. These are both guys that I think the Tyler Lockett can get open on. I know that the Marquise Goodwin can run right by both of them. So can Seattle provide Juno Smith enough protection? And can he continue to play at the you know quasi-MVP performance that he has to so far this season? To me, again, this is such a spectacular matchup uh, against two playoff-bound clubs that uh, I, I really think that you know you can kind of look at just about every single matchup. To me, the wide receiver one is kind of the low-key matchup that I think that whatever team is able to get a couple of big plays down the stretch, then they might be able to sneak out the victory because I do not think that this is going to be what we saw the last couple of weeks where the CX were able to put up 30, 35 points plus uh, in a victory. I'm glad that you're mentioning the receivers just from the standpoint that I think we have to look at it from a, is a DK available or is a DK not available circumstance? Because if he can play in this game, the Giants do not have much size at the cornerback position. This is actually a matchup that DK would normally be getting his nest quick out, licking his lips, chugging that strawberry nest quick down, and then he's ready to go. He's chomping the bit because they don't have any size out there. And Dory Jackson, as good of an athlete as he is, was playmaker at USC. His big issue in the NFL has been dealing with physical receivers. And certainly DK Metcalf is a physical specimen. And even Fabian Moreau, he is known for athletics, his athleticism, his speed, not necessarily his physicality. So DK Metcalf would be a really, really difficult matchup for either one of those guys. If he can't play, they match up better against Tyler Lockett and Marquise Goodwin. And that's why you mentioning Dariq Young it is really fascinating because Dariq Young is 6'2", 224 pounds and runs like a deer. We haven't gotten to really see him play much, but he did have some good run blocking reps last week when he checked into the game. We know that he can run downfield and his size, that might be something that Shane Waldron tries to get involved a little bit in this game plan because of who they're going to be going against. If James Bradbury was still on this team, it's a little bit different circumstance because Bradbury is a big body corner. The Giants don't have that on the outside. So this could be something that, you know, depends how Seattle ends up attacking them. Tyler Lockett can get open against anybody. Marquise Goodwin can run by anybody. 
But not having DK Metcalf would certainly make this an easier matchup for the Giants, just because from a skill set standpoint, their two outside corners match up better against smaller, faster receivers like the ones the Seahawks would be playing in place of DK Metcalf, with the exception, of course, if Tariq Young checks in with his big body. Could be a very surprising X factor to watch going into this game. We're going to switch gears coming up next. We're going to look at the Seahawks on defense going up against the New York Giants offense, the number one rushing offense in the NFL. Pete Carroll talked about it today. So certainly that's going to be a matchup we dive into, but there's plenty of other playmakers on the Giants offense and they get an offensive line that's much improved. So we'll be diving into three matchups on that side of the football coming up next year on Matchup Wednesday. We're nearly halfway through the NFL season, and with week eight on tap, I've got Derrick Henry rumbling for three touchdowns against the Texans, Jamar Chase racking up 175 receiving yards against the punchless Browns. Those might not seem like bold leaps, but with prize picks, it's easy to play daily fantasy and put those entries to the test. Pick two to five players, and if they score more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 10 times your money on any entry. No competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available. And prize picks offers projections on any sport that you watch. This includes NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, PGA, even disc golf if you want to. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy with safe and fast withdrawals, and it's currently operational in over 30 states as well as Canada. Download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, Prize Picks will give you $100. Don't forget to enter the promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast. It's Matchup Wednesday. I'm your host, Corbett Smith. Joining me as always, my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. Thanks to all the 12s out there for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. For your second listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. They've got the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. Available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get podcasts. All right, Rob, switching gears. We just talked Seahawks on offense against the Giants on defense. Two top 10 units in their own right. Now we're going to look at a Seahawks defense that is still near the bottom of the league in scoring even after the last two weeks. That's how rough it was. First five games of the season, you give up 45 points to the Detroit Lions. That's kind of what tends to happen to your numbers. They get skewed a little bit. The Giants, they've been winning a lot of games, but it hasn't been because they are dominating scoreboards. They've had a really good defense. They've been timely in scoring their points, especially in the fourth quarter. That doesn't mean they don't have weapons, though. And I'd be remiss not to mention Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones first because the one thing this team does do really well, you know, Pete Carroll would be excited about it. He referenced it a bunch of times in his press conference today. This Giants football team, they know how to run the football with their running back and their quarterback, and that's going to be a major issue for Jordan Brooks and Cody Barton to deal with. After two weeks of really holding up well against the run, this is going to be a much different animal for them. Yeah, there's no question about it. I mean, this is a massive, massive challenge. I mean, that that's we, we've talked in the past, Corbin, about how the, the Seahawks defense has kind of struggled the last several years now in a row. They struggled out of the gate. Um, and the run defense has been that bugaboo for them for much of the start of this season. They, of course, have played much, much better 
these last couple of weeks. But that, of course, in part is due to the fact the Arizona Cardinals were on their fourth string running back. And then last week they got out to the 17 zip start and still uh, Austin Eckler still wound up having a spectacular performance. Now you look going against the New York Giants team. It's not just Saquon Barkley as good as he is. It's Daniel Jones as well. I mean, Daniel Jones has only thrown for six touchdowns over the first seven games this year, but he's run for three. He's rushed for over 300 yards. Saquon Barkley not only leads the team in rushing yards, leads the team in rushing touchdowns, he leads the team in receptions as well. I mean, he has been absolutely spectacular. So we talked about this before, how you have to kind of focus in on trying to eliminate the team's best player. I really thought that Seattle had to try to do whatever they possibly could to try and eliminate Austin Eckler a week ago. And I don't think that they were that successful in doing so. But again, they obviously emerged with a victory. Taysom Hill was a dynamic player a couple of weeks ago against New Orleans Saints. Obviously, he had the performance in which he had. To me, public enemy number one from a Seattle perspective is Saquon Barkley. He should be the number one option. He should be the number 1,000 option to try to stop from a Seattle perspective here. I don't know if they can do it. He is that damn good. I mean, this guy is absolutely spectacular. There's not a lot of running backs. You said this yesterday, Corbin. I know that you are a running back aficionado. There's not very many running backs out there that you can really legitimately uh, you know, warrant selecting with a top five, top 10 selection, but Saquon Barkley is that guy. And, and so to me, that is where the matchup lies here. Can they slow down number 26 and by extension, the running ability of the Giants quarterbacks? If they can, I do think they can win this game, but if they cannot, the Giants could literally run away from this game very early. Yeah, that's going to be the real key. Can you get Saquon Barkley to the ground? Can you swarm to him? But I'm going to surprise you a little bit here. I actually am more concerned about what Daniel Jones can do right now in terms of being a problem for the Seahawks defense because I do feel like we have seen tangible progress from them slowing down running backs. I mean, the Chargers had 53 rushing yards last week, and a good chunk of that was a couple scrambles by Justin Herbert during garbage time. They really held Eckler in check running the football. He had some nice plays as a receiver, but – they did a really nice job bottling him up the week before. I thought they did a really good job against the Cardinals running backs. So they've really made strides there. But you got to remember, Kyler Murray rushed for 100 yards. I just mentioned Herbert had a couple of nice scrambles. was not trying to run very much. But stopping dual-threat quarterbacks has been a huge problem for this defense all season. And they haven't really been tested now for a couple of weeks. Kyler Murray had a couple of big runs against them. But last week, you didn't have to worry about that in that game. You didn't have to worry about Justin Herbert having a bunch of designed quarterback runs. You have to worry about that with Daniel Jones with over 300 rushing yards, three rushing touchdowns this year. And there might not be a more surprising mobile quarterback than Daniel Jones. When you watch him play, he doesn't look like a guy that's going to rip off a 70-yard run, but he can do it. We saw him a couple of years ago against the Buccaneers. The turf monster tripped him up at like the five-yard line, but he would have had like an 80-yard touchdown there. This guy can fly. He is an athlete, so Seattle has not shown this year they can stop guys like that when they start running the football and extending plays. So that, to me, is really worrisome. These two guys together in tandem, that is the number one concern the Seahawks absolutely have to slow down on defense. If they don't do that, this is going to be a very difficult game for them to have any chance of winning. The good news for the Seahawks, though, the Giants have some injuries that they're dealing with right now. And at the right tackle position, Evan Neal, a player that the Seahawks were considering, 
ended up picking Charles Cross, who they preferred of the two players. But Evan Neal from Alabama was certainly one of the top players on their board when they picked at number nine overall. Neal is probably not going to play in this football game. Now, Andrew Thomas, another former first-round pick out of Georgia, he is having a fantastic year. Has not given up a sack yet this season. One penalty under 10 pressures allowed for the year. He has been playing at an all-pro level. For the Giants, Evan Neal's had a solid rookie season, but there's a very good chance he's not playing in this game. So you're going to be on either a second or third string right tackle because Matt Parrott is on the pup list right now and is not healthy. So there is a big drop off in talent there. Daryl Taylor's got to be licking his lips. You know, he's going to be the one rushing against the right tackle most of the game. If you've got a second or third stringer in there, this is a great opportunity, even as athletic as Daniel Jones is. He still is a quarterback that in his fourth season can uncork some wild throws, make some bad decisions if you get pressure on him. And Daryl Taylor is the kind of speedy rusher that could cause fits, especially for a backup tackle. So this is a matchup that really could favor Seattle due to the injuries that the Giants are dealing with up front. Yeah, this is a that's what makes this matchup so fun, is that if this is a close game early on, then I think the Giants are able to kind of flex with their size. They are appropriately named, in this case, the New York Giants, because they are big at the point of attack. Andrew Thomas, a former top five selection, Evan Neal former top 10 selection. Of course, as you mentioned, he may not be able to play uh, at that right tackle position, but the guy who is likely to replace him at this point, of course, we're recording on Wednesday. Um, looks like it's going to be Tyree Phillips. I mean, he's only 6'5", 330 pounds, was drafted <laughs> by the, the Baltimore Ravens out of Mississippi State, back when Mississippi State used to run the football prior to Mike Leach taking over as the head coach. Um, and, and he is a big people mover as well so should this be a game that's close down the stretch then i think that tyree phillips at that right tackle position might be an advantage for the giants against a guy like daryl taylor because we've talked about it ad nauseum i mean he is the daryl taylor has been a guy that has struggled to be able to hold up at the point of attack it might be boye mafe might be bruce Irvin, might be the aforementioned lj collier who is getting some snaps at that spot to try to hold up at the point of attack but you are right if the seahawks are able to get to a little bit of a lead and they're able to just basically pin their ears back and rush the passer there's no question daryl taylor has the burst and the bend to be able to eat tyree phillips up for lunch um and so that to me is going to be again the fascinating matchup here can see i'll get out to a little bit of a lead can they make the giants a little bit kind of one-handed in this game and that what i mean by that is again take away what they do best which is running the football whether it be saquon barkley or Daniel Jones. But again, you, you mentioned against the Chargers, against the Cardinals. The Chargers and the Cardinals don't have the just people movers at the line of scrimmage that the Giants have. And so, again, I have a great deal of respect for the Giants' skill position players. I have just as much respect for their offensive line, not the least of which, oh, by the way, is the right guard, Mark Lewinsky, who, of course, the Seahawks draft a couple of years ago, kind of was pushed out of town, and he has since has become a pretty damn good starter, not only yep. for the Indianapolis Colts, but now for the Giants. John Feliciano, the center, is a big man as well. 
This is a big New York offensive line that can move people around. It's going to be critical for that Seahawk crowd to be loud, to be throaty, be rocking and rolling, recognizing this is the huge, huge matchup that it is, uh, because this is one of those games that I think that is really could come down to the fourth quarter, and that's where the Giants have flexed so far this season. So to me, th this is my favorite matchup so far this entire season, Corbin, because I really think that for week eight, I think that this is arguably the biggest matchup of the season so far. There's one more we got to break down here going to the outside. Now, I will admit, Daniel Bellinger, if he was healthy, he's been one of the best tight ends, one of the best rookie tight ends in the NFL, has been a big part of the Giants' offense. But he has a fractured eye socket, so bad joke coming here. But uh, Seahawks aren't going to be seeing him on Sunday. He is not going to be playing. He might not play again the rest of this season. So that is obviously not a matchup that the Seahawks have to worry about anymore. That's certainly an advantage for Seattle not having to worry about a pass-catching tight end that can also block. That usually gives them fits. The Giants don't have a lot of weapons on the outside. They do, though, have a couple of guys that are worth noting here to go against Tariq Woolen and Mike Jackson. Darius Slayton now at this point, with Kenny Galladay being banged up, Darius Slayton is now their clear number one. They lost Sterling Shepard to a season-ending injury earlier and so Slayton's their number one guy here with 11 catches 166 yards and a touchdown not necessarily eye-popping numbers but he is a veteran that's got some speed can stretch the defense a little bit maybe could be a little bit of a problem and then Wandale Robinson the rookie out of Kentucky he is gradually starting to get more opportunities and is starting to become a receiver that Daniel Jones has shown some trust in and this is another guy SEC pedigree can really make a big difference for this Giants passing game. And so I, I know that they don't have the star-studded receiving stable, but Brian Dable has been able to get the most that he can out of this group. And there's some upside still that's untapped here, particularly with Wandale Robinson. And there could be some intrigue in these matchups that maybe nobody was thinking about coming in. The Giants have a few receivers that could present some challenges for the Seahawks young corners. Yeah, I think that's a really good point because, um, you know, as you mentioned, Bellinger, the tight end, I mean, he has three touchdowns so far this season. Nobody on the Giants receiving core is more than one. Um, and and it's, that's two, I should be clear, there's two touchdown receptions. One, he ran for a touchdown. But still, the point is, is the Giants are built along the line of scrimmage, and that's how they move the ball. They're very similar to Seattle in, in that way. It's not been the dynamic wide receivers. And the most recognizable names of the Giants wide receivers, guys like Kenny Galladay, Sterling Shepard, uh, you know, those are guys that, like Darius Toney, former first-round pick, they've struggled with injuries so far. So it does look like Darius Slayton might be the most recognizable name of this bunch. Um, and, and he can absolutely fly. I mean, he is that dynamic, over-the-top type of receiver. If Seattle is unable to get pressure on Daniel Jones, he will try to throw the ball over the top. I feel confident in Seattle's cornerback play, certainly in, in the free safety, Quandre Diggs. He has been one of the NFL's absolute best at being able to stop those deep passes over the top. But still, that is something that the Giants are going to try to take advantage of. Brian Dable, we've talked about him in a previous show as the new head coach for the Giants. I mean, he is terrific in that, in identifying these type of matchups. And I love that you mentioned Wandale Robinson from Kentucky. I mean, 
we've been pretty effusive in our praise here of what Kobe Bryant's been able to do at that slot corner position. Wondell Robinson is a pretty spectacular player at that slot position himself. He's got a little bit of golden tape to him. He's got kind of a running back build. He's able to catch balls and then be able to make some people miss, be able to knock people on their backside. You know, he is a good football player as well. So I, I would caution that the Giants receiving core doesn't have a great deal of name recognition, but they're still pretty good football players. And again, if Seattle completely sells out to try to stop the run and you just have one-on-one -on -one matchups all over the field, one missed tackle by a couple of guys who can run in Robinson and Slayton could actually wind up becoming those big plays that I think could wind up being the difference in a game that I don't expect either one of these teams necessarily to get much further than the 20 point threshold. So to me, in a game like that, one big play really can be the difference. So again, you know, I, I really think this is going to be a fun matchup in a lot of ways. It's my kind of football. It is going to be physical. It is going to be hit you in the mouth. You, you mentioned that, uh, you know, the, the, the broken orbital bone. I certainly don't wish that on anybody, not Daniel Bellinger or anybody else, but it is going to be one of those rock em, sock em, punch them in the mouth kind of games. Again, I think it's going to be a fascinating one. I, I can't wait to, to watch it and break it all down on Lockdown Seahawks. As always, you can follow me on Twitter, Corbett Smith NFL. You can follow Rob at Rob Rang. Check out Locked on Seahawks and Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and streaming five days a week on YouTube. Coming up tomorrow, we've got a crossover Thursday special coming. Patricia Traina of Locked on Giants. She is excited about where this football team is heading and who could blame her with the Giants being just behind the undefeated Eagles in the NFC East, one of the best records in the NFL now getting an opportunity to show what they can do against another surprising team in the Seahawks. We'll be diving into key storylines, looking further into some matchups, and making some predictions. You won't want to miss it. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday. Thanks for listening. Go Hawks.